It's Tuesday, May the 11th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, an Israel-Palestine flare-up and vaccines for American adolescents. First, the world in brief. Israel's defense minister declared a state of emergency in the area surrounding the Gaza Strip. Earlier, seven rockets were fired at Israel from Gaza. Hamas, the militant Islamist group that runs the territory, claimed responsibility. It said it was protecting Jerusalem after Israeli police clashed with Palestinian protesters outside the Al-Aqsa Mosque, Islam's third holiest site. Israel launched airstrikes in response, reportedly killing 20 people. America's Food and Drug Administration authorized the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for 12- to 15-year-olds. It had previously been authorized for those aged 16 and older. BioNTech, meanwhile, said its shot offers significant protection against the B117 and B1351 variants of the virus. The World Health Organization yesterday classified the B1617 variant, first identified in India, as one of global concern. The firm has already claimed its shot is effective against that. The German vaccine maker boosted its revenue estimate for this year from 9.8 billion euros, 11.9 billion dollars, to 12.4 billion euros, and said it was building a production facility in Singapore. An estimated 40 corpses washed up on the shores of the Ganges, near the border of Bihar and Uttar Pradesh states. Some reports put the body count at 100. They are presumed to be victims of India's rampant COVID-19 epidemic, which has overwhelmed crematoriums. India's official death toll has reached nearly 250,000, although that is assumed to be a massive undercount. A month after originally promised, China released the results of its 2020 census. Contrary to reports that had predicted a fall, the number of Chinese grew slightly from 1.34 billion in 2010 to 1.41 billion. However, their number is now expected to begin falling, partly as a result of the Communist Party's once brutal birth control policies, loosened somewhat in 2015. The prospect of a rapidly aging population will cause the party concern. One MBD, Malaysia's state fund, along with one of its former subsidiaries, filed lawsuits against dozens of unnamed individuals and entities in the hope of recovering $23 billion that was allegedly defrauded from it between 2009 and 2014. The One MDB scandal revealed a global web of corruption. In the past 10 months, Malaysia recovered nearly $5 billion in assets from Ambank, a Malaysian banking group, Deloitte, an accounting and consultancy firm, and Goldman Sachs, a bank. A cybercrime gang blamed for a ransomware attack that has kept the Colonial Pipeline, America's largest artery for refined fuels, offline since Friday, issued a statement saying that it was, quote, apolitical. Darkseid claimed that its goal was not, quote, creating problems for society, but rather only to make money. Intentional or not, problems were caused. The pipeline ordinarily transports 45% of the East Coast's fuel supply. NBC announced it will not show the Golden Globes in 2022. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which runs the awards, has come under fire for having no black journalists among its 87 members, as well as for alleged financial impropriety. 
Actors Tom Cruise and Scarlett Johansson and studios including Netflix and Amazon have refused to work with the HFPA in its current form. And fact of the day. Vladimir Putin's Black Sea Palace has been kitted out with a hookah lounge, a pole dancing stage, and an $850 toilet brush. And now, here's today's agenda. Off-target, the spread of permitless carry gun laws. Since May 5th, residents of Utah who are 21 years old and over can carry a concealed handgun in public without first applying for a license. Utah is the latest state where permitless carry has become law. Four other states have passed such legislation, and five more are considering similar measures, including Texas, where a bill, narrowly passed by the state's Senate last week, is likely soon to become law. By the end of this year, a third of Americans might be living in states where permitless carry is legal. Proponents say that having more, quote, good guys with guns can help intercept, quote, bad guys with guns. Opponents, including law enforcement, worry that without training, background checks and licensing, permitless carry will endanger public safety. Gun sales are at an all-time high in America, violent crime has risen and mass shootings are common. But with federal action on the issue stalled in Washington, D.C., states are taking gun laws into their own hands. Bigger and better, Australia's budget. Australia's treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, will have plenty to feel pleased about when he delivers the budget today. Few expected the economy to be in such good shape. Compared with many countries, Australia has breezed through the pandemic. GDP fell by just 2.4% last year, half the advanced economy average. Neither the country's closure to foreigners nor the end of a huge wage subsidy have stalled its recovery. But an election is approaching, so spending will remain loose. Mr. Frydenberg is expected to splurge 10 billion Australian dollars, 7.9 billion US dollars, on a scandal-ridden elderly care system which has been blighted by reports of malnourishment and abuse. He will also include sweeteners for women to win back their support, dented by allegations of sexual abuse within his Liberal Party. Even after that, the books will look promising. That is partly the usual good luck. Prices for iron ore, of which Australia is the world's biggest exporter, are at record highs. Rebels with a Cause, Martial Law in Congo When Felix Chisekedi, President of the Democratic Republic of Congo, heard what he has called, quote, the cries of distress of the war-ravaged eastern provinces of North Kivu and Ituri, his questionable response was to impose military rule for one month, starting last Thursday. Mr. Chisekedi has given two former rebels with bloody track records a province each to govern. Lieutenant General Constantin Dima, who will run North Kivu, is particularly notorious. In 2002 and 2003, he led a guerrilla militia in an operation known as, quote, Erase the Board. His soldiers allegedly killed, raped, mutilated, and ate members of two rival tribes. Mr. Ndima has never commented on the allegations. Congo's unruly army, which has absorbed thousands of ex-rebels, is more often the cause of the country's woes than the solution to them. More than five million Congolese are internally displaced, largely because of violence. 
Martial law, which empowers soldiers to restrict people's movements and prosecute civilians, will only worsen their distress. Doses of Realpolitik Vaccinating the Philippines The arrival of 193,000 doses of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine in the Philippines yesterday comes as a welcome relief. After depending on China for 5 million of the 7.76 million doses of vaccine delivered so far, the Philippine government will be glad to be less dependent on the region's behemoth. Filipino politicians have been vocal in criticizing China's encroachment into parts of the South China Sea claimed by both countries. But in recent years, Rodrigo Duterte, the president, has agreed to quieten his underlings as long as China reigns in its expansion. When China resumed its encroachment this year, Mr. Duterte allowed his ministers to protest vociferously, just as the country was becoming dependent on Chinese vaccines. The febrile relationship makes relying on China for vaccines risky. The Philippines has 110 million people to inoculate. Unless it secures many more doses from other countries, it will still depend on China for more supplies. Mr. Duterte's ministers might have to keep stumm. Passing for a Shiksa, Selma van der Perre. When the Nazis invaded the Netherlands in 1940, Selma van der Perre was a 17-year-old Jewish girl living with her family in Amsterdam. By the end of 1943, her father had been killed in Auschwitz and her mother and sister in the Nazi death camp near Sobibor, a village in Poland. But Ms. van der Perre escaped the Nazis' clutches and became an active member of the Dutch resistance. She recounts her experiences in My Name is Selma, released in America Today. Ms. van der Perre recalls dyeing her hair blonde and taking on a pseudonym to stay alive and pass information along for the movement. She was ultimately captured, but as a political rather than Jewish prisoner. This allowed her to lie low and survive the Ravensbrück concentration camp until liberation in 1945. Only then was she able to at last shake off her alias and say, My name is Selma. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Bob Marley, who died on this day in 1981. None but ourselves can free our minds. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.